everybody, and welcome to another episode of Kaiju Carnage. I am your host, Cal the Kaiju Guy. And today, I'm going to be doing an episode very similar to the rise and fall of Godzilla that I did uh, over the, about all of the Showa era Godzilla films, but this time I'm doing Gamera, and I'm titling it The Trials of Gamera. Now, obviously I've talked about all of the Showa era Gamera films already, so I'm not going to go into super big detail about each film and stuff like that, and a lot of the inspirations and things that went behind it, and the building of the suits and all that kind of stuff. This is strictly going to be kind of like a spotlight on Showa era Gamera, in which I'm just going to talk about briefly the production of each film and pretty much how in the early days Gamera started out, he could have honestly been a contender to to go up against Godzilla. That was done by rival studio Toho. But due to Daie, the studio that helmed the Gamera films, having very turbulent financial trouble there towards the end of the Gamera Showa era and all of that, like, the Gamera films just fell. <laughs> they just fell. They fell hard. And it just... It's sad. <laughs> it's, it's sad to see how Gamera began... And how it could have been a very, very, very profitable property for Daie. <clears throat> Something that easily could have rivaled Godzilla, especially around the time that Godzilla, you know, whenever uh, there was a time period, and I'm going to jump into all of that later. There was a time period where, towards the end of the Gamera films, where there was like a nine-year lull where there was no Gamera films. And that was during some of the dark days of Godzilla. And I firmly believe that if they would have just been actually put forth the money to make good quality kaiju Gamera films, not be aimed towards children, actually be aimed to fans of the monster genre, that could have been their opportunity to overtake Godzilla in terms of popularity and success and things like that. But... Due to the financial troubles of Daie, they just, they didn't do it. And Gamera suffered very, very heavily until his grand return during the Heisei era, which is considered to be some of the greatest kaiju films ever made. So, let's jump straight into what I am calling the Trials of Gamera. Now, I'm not going to jump too much into the Nazura origins of Gamera, because I've talked about that pretty extensively in my two episodes that I did on one, um, Gamera the Giant Monster, that came out in 1965, during the OGs of Kaiju, and I also talked about it pretty extensively whenever I talked about the film that's just simply called Nazura, uh, in which it's a docudrama, like, you know, it's, it's a dramatized documentary-style film about the origins of Nazura and what led to the creation of Gamera and all of that. So, I'm not really going to jump into Nazura or anything. But after Nazura fell apart, 
and they pretty much production got shut down because of, you know, the, the rats that they were using were, there was fleas everywhere and, and all that kind of junk. Um, after that got shut down and they decided to shift gears and they had the idea to go with Gamera. Gamera was 100% designed to compete with Godzilla. And there was not a lot of faith from Daie to, to be, that they were actually going to be able to compete with Gamera. Um, you could say that maybe they were superstitious. Maybe they thought it was just because of the bad luck of Nazura. And then the film shifted to Gamera that we ended up getting. That, you know, maybe they were just like, this, this is a lost cause. You're just trying to slap something together with a very low budget going up against something that's already pretty well established with multiple films out. And I'll get on that here in a minute. There was not a whole lot of confidence with um, Gamera. So the very first Gamera film was called Gamera the Giant Monster, and it came out in 1965. And I'll just go on ahead and say, for those of you that don't know or have forgotten, the name Gamera comes from the word Kame, which is K-A-M-E, which is the Japanese word for turtle, and then the suffix of Ra, which is just R-A, and that suffix was on a pretty good amount of other kaiju at that point in time. Like Mothra, Ghidorah, Gojira, you know. And so that, that's why the suffix of Ra was added. And originally his name was going to be Kamara. Like starting with K. But they felt that that word was too close to the word camera. So they, they changed the K to a G. And... That's how Gamera ended up getting his name. Now, part of the reason uh, that I mentioned just a little while ago as to why Daye did not have a whole lot of confidence in this Gamera film was because, one, it was designed to go directly head-to-head -head with Godzilla, and they didn't have a lot of confidence in that regard. The other regard was Toho was... They, they pretty much had the market on, on giant monster movies at that point in time. Whenever this movie was coming out, like, there was already a pretty good amount of Godzilla films. There was the original Gojira. There was Godzilla Raids Again. There was um, the crossover film with King Kong against Godzilla. Godzilla vs. Mothra. A Mothra standalone film. A Rodan standalone film. There were multiple... Godzilla films that had already come out that established this character and pretty much put Toho's footprint on the giant monster genre and Daie just had no confidence that this film was going to be able to go head to head with that. I mean, heck, this movie came out in November of 1965. The very next month of the same year, uh, Invasion of Astro Monster was going to be coming out which was going to be, um, you know, Godzilla and Rodan versus King Ghidorah. And they just, they had no confidence. <laughs> they, they, no, they, they had, they had no confidence. So they gave a very small budget to try and get this film completed. It is the only Gamera film that is shot in black and white. And the reason it was shot in black and white is because they cut the budgets to where, it would be too costly to shoot the film in color. 
And so it does seem kind of out of place in the grand scheme of things, considering at that point in time, you know, for Godzilla, the original Gojira film and Godzilla Raids Again, they were shot in black and white. The rest of them were shot in color. King Kong, you know, uh, King Kong versus Godzilla was shot in color. Mothra was shot in color. Rodan, all the other Godzilla films that had come out at that point in time. And so it, it seems kind of out of place for a film that was done in 1965 that's meant to go head-to-head with this other very established franchise, you know, like it's going to be black and white <laughs> due to uh, cost-cutting uh, that was going on. Not only did they cut the budget to where they had to shoot in black and white, but they were they were using outdated equipment, which also, you know, in, in turn was part uh, part of the reason why they had to shoot in black and white. A lot of the props that they were given would not work, and they would ha- they were constantly having to uh, try and fix props on set. Um, the lights that they were given for the st- sound stage wouldn't properly illuminate the sound stage. Like it just it <laughs> when I tell you, Daye had no faith in this film. They had no faith in this film. But then the film released, and to everyone's surprise, it was a success. Like, it made a good deal amount of money. Gamera pretty much established himself as, like, the new kid on the block. This is something from a rival studio that could actually rival Godzilla. Like, you know, and everyone kind of viewed this as a good thing. Like, okay, because the Godzilla films, at that point in time were very well done, though the dark days of Godzilla was looming. But they were being very well done, high production quality and all of that kind of stuff. And so they figured that if Gamera was going to come about, then there would be some good competition between the two, and they would constantly be trying to one-up each other. But unfortunately, the dark days of Godzilla were looming and would show up not long after Invasion of Astro Monster. And it did not take much time at all for Gamera to really start going downhill. Um, Just to, by comparison, the Showa era of Godzilla films, there are uh, 15 films, I believe. For Gamera, there's only eight. And between the second-to-last Gamera film and the final Gamera film, there's a nine-year like time gap between the two films. So that's how quickly Gamera went downhill due to very stupid decisions by Daye, due to constantly cutting the budgets, over-reliance on stock footage and things like that, and Gamera just never stood a chance. But nonetheless, the film was successful. It ended up getting an American release called Gamera the Invincible, and there was one part of the film that stood out in Japan that just this one scene, this this was already laying the foundation for the downfall of Gamera. There's a scene where he saves a little boy. And children, whenever they watched this, this film, the Gamera film, they loved that scene. They loved the fact that Gamera saved the little boy. And a lot of children sent in fan letters to Daye and to the director and 
all of that, talking about how much they loved it. They loved that he was compassionate towards the kid, that the kid liked Gamera and all of that kind of stuff. And it was then that they noticed children are into this. So maybe we need to pay more attention to that, but they didn't put a whole lot of stock into it after the success of this film. But the groundwork was already being laid for the downfall of Gamera. So after that, the next film that came out in 1966, the following year, was Gamera vs. Barugan. Now because the other film was so successful, the studio had very high hopes for this film. And for whatever reason, they decided to demote the director, his, his name was Yuasa, they, de they decided to demote him to be over the special effects of the film, and they hired a new director <clears throat> to handle all of the drama scenes and actors and all of that kind of stuff. And naturally, just because of the success of the first one, they did not want to just do a rehash of... Well, let's just have Gamera going around, destroying things and all of that. Let's give him an opponent. And originally, uh, they took inspiration from Norse mythology. Uh, the Jotuns, which is the ice giants in Norse mythology from Jotunheim, they decided to bring in ice giants. And that was what his opponent was going to be. They ended up abandoning that idea, and but that idea did get shifted around, and instead of ice, they went with stone, and that groundwork was laid for the original Daimajin film. <clears throat> now, they wanted to take this film seriously. Like, because the first one was so successful, we want this to be a serious film, we want it to be a spectacle, we want it to be... Something that people can be like, that is a grade A monster movie that can rival Godzilla. Let's do it. Let's go for it. And all of that. So, in this film, the target audience was going to be adults. But they were going to keep in mind that children were also into this. So, they were going to sprinkle elements, like some comedic effects and things like that to appeal to the children, but overall, this, this film was targeted towards adults. And this film was taken so seriously that Yuasa actually had connections to Subaraya Productions. And Subaraya Productions actually assisted unofficially here and there with the special effects and all of that kind of stuff. Whenever the film was released and they were watching it, Yuasa noticed that children that were in the theater watching the movie because they wanted to go see the new Gamera film because they were hopeful that Gamera would have something else to do with a child or something like that so that they could identify with it. He noticed that children were getting bored because it took a good while for the monsters to show up on screen. It took a good while for their for there to be action, for action to get started in the movie and all of that. And kids were getting bored. They were starting to get restless. They were starting to act up. And they were just overall uninterested in the movie. And it was during that time that Yuasa pretty much made the decision, I need to introduce the monsters sooner in the film and get to the action a lot quicker so that I can keep the attention of 
the children. And so right then, in the second film in the franchise, the groundwork is laid even more that this the downfall of Gamera is coming because it was them wanting to focus the franchise solely on children and alienating the young adult or adult giant monster genre fans that ultimately caused Gamera to start having big major problems. So the third film in the franchise was Gamera vs. Gyos, and it came out in 1967, and this one was absolutely aimed more towards children. And this film came about as a direct response to Toho doing Frankenstein Conquers the World, as well as War of the Gargantuas, because I've told you guys before whenever I talked about War of the Gargantuas, that Gargantua is not the original name of the two monsters in War of the Gargantuas. They were originally referred to as Frankensteins. And the response from Daye to this was basically going to be like, well, if they're going to use Frankenstein, we're going to use Dracula. And there, there was a time that they were discussing having Dracula get turned into a kaiju so that Gamera could go up against Dracula. Like, that was... That was legit. That, 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 that almost happened. And <clears throat> because the second film, whenever it was released, it wasn't as successful as the first one. It underperformed. It did not meet the expectations that Daye wanted. And they blamed that on the new director. So for this third film, they re-promoted Yuasa to where now he is the director over the drama effects as well as the special effects. He's the director of the whole the whole shebang now. And he he remembers that the children were getting restless during the premiere at theaters and all of that kind of stuff. And so he's keeping that in mind. He wanted this film to play out basically like a live action children's book. And he wanted to get the attention or keep the attention of the children as long as possible. Um, Shiro Honda, after the film was released, he actually sent a New Year's card to Yuasa praising the film, talking about how much he really enjoyed it and all of that kind of stuff. And <clears throat> again, the film was not super, super successful, but they was like, eh, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, we can afford to have a, a loss here and there. Um, but it, it wasn't really a loss. It just simply underperformed what they wanted. So let's just say it had to gross. I'm just going to throw numbers out there. Let's just say it had to gross at least $10 million to make a profit, but they expected it to make $30 million. It only ended up making like 17 million still made a $7 million profit, but nowhere near that. What was in Daye's brain that they wanted it to make. So they were like, nope, this is no good. Um, <clears throat> the next film that came out, and unfortunately the next little batch of films uh, that I'm going to talk about, there wasn't a whole lot of... They, they're all kind of woven together with the same kind of problems, dealing with like stock footage and budget cuts and things like that, that and being more aimed towards children and just being goofy and all of that kind of stuff. So I don't have a whole lot of individual stuff to say about each movie like I just did the other ones. But the next film to come out was Gamera vs. Virus, and it came out in 1968. 
Now, at this point, not just simply because of Gamera, because Gamera actually was being successful in making the money at the time, but Daye was beginning to have financial trouble. They were putting out other movies other than Gamera. They were not performing very well, and they're, they're starting to have some big financial issues. And because of those financial issues, they decided to cut the budget for Gamera significantly. Like, I'm, I'm just going to uh, give you guys some numbers real quick uh, to let you know how bad it had gotten. The budget for Gamera versus Virus was 20 million yen. Now, at the time, that equaled $56,000, like American USD. And the film was shot in about three and a half weeks. Less than a month, like 24, 25 days, something like that. So, $56,000 USD back then in 1968, that is the equivalent now to, adjusted for inflation, 476600 bucks. Can, can you imagine that? That you are a director for a film studio. They say, we want you to make this movie. Here's the script, here's the screenplay, and all of that kind of stuff. Like, just by today's standards, here is not even half a million dollars, and we want you to shoot this film in its entirety, the special effects and everything, in less than a month. Like, that's... That's unheard of. Like, by today's standards, movies that are considered to be cheap, like low-budget independent movies, 5 million, 10 million, something like that. It's very rare for there to be like a high-profile film that's going to get a theatrical release that's not even at least a million dollars by today's standards. But basically, by today's standards, this film was shot in less than a month on less than half a million dollars. That, that's how bad it was starting to get at Daye. And as a result of that, because the budget was so, was so small and they were given such a small window to actually shoot the film and all that kind of stuff, they relied heavily on stock footage. And this was going to be a trope that would continue later on in the, uh, in the Gamera franchise, to the point where it gets ridiculous after a while. Uh, to try and appeal to foreign audiences, mainly America, because the Gamera films at this point in time were getting distribution straight to TV about a year or so after the film would release. They wanted this film to appeal more to American audiences, so they decide, they said that one of the boys that gets cast in the film, they didn't want them both to be Japanese kids. They wanted one to be Japanese and one to be American. And the American boy that they ended up getting, because he needed to be able to speak Japanese, they actually got the son of a military personnel, American military personnel that was stationed in Japan, and they got his son to actually play the role. And yeah, the film was, it was successful. But it was only successful because of how low the budget was. If they had gone with a regular budget... Now, mind you, if they had gone with a regular budget, 
they would have been able to focus a little bit better and make a better quality of movie. But I don't think that would have hindered... I don't think that that would have affected the success of the film very much because the films are already starting to be aimed more towards children and audiences were beginning to to lose interest in Gamera pretty doggone quickly. So the film was successful, but it was mainly because of the low budget. And because the film was so successful, Daye pretty much saw an opportunity to where they're like, well, if this film was successful on such a low budget and such a short shooting time, we could shell out more Gamera films per year to try and make money. And they actually approached director Yuasa and said, because they had already been releasing one Gamera film a year, and they asked him if he could shell out two additional Gamera films a year. That's three different Gamera films a year that they wanted him to do. And he flat out said that it it, it can't be done. It just can't. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah, we did it with this one on a small budget and we had it shot in less than a month and all of that kind of stuff. But to do three of those a year, like, it, it can't be done. And so they they stuck with just the uh, releasing a Gamera film a year. Now, the next one that came out was Gamera vs. Giron in 1969. Don't really have a whole lot to talk about this one. It pretty much had about the same size budget. They relied on stock footage yet again. The quality of the film fell even further. Um, the, the Gamera films are starting to get ridiculous at this point in time. Audiences are no longer taking them seriously. They're aimed way too much towards children. But even being aimed towards children, you have to keep in mind, children can only go to a theater to see a film if the parents are willing to take their kids to go to a theater to go see a film. And if they're already like, oh my God, no, I'm not bringing my kid to see the next Gamera film. Like, attendance is not going to be very high. So... Uh, Gamera versus Giron, like it, it was somewhat successful, but I don't have a whole lot of stuff to really talk about with that one because it, it was pretty much the same deal as the one before that, uh, Giron, uh, Giron was about the same thing as like, you know, with Viros and it just, it, the, the end is near after that came Gamera versus Jiger came out in 1970. Now, they're trying to scramble. They're trying to, okay, we've got to do something. We've got to make these movies more appealing. They're starting to bring in less and less and less money as we put them out. So one of the things at this point in time that was pretty popular were boys' magazines that featured like adventure and stuff like that. So they wanted that to kind of be like the theme of the movie. But also, the 1970 Expo Fair was going to be going on at the time, and so they wanted to shoot some scenes there just to, you know, be like, to bring something relevant to the film and all of that kind of stuff. But the people that ran the Expo Fair forbade Daye, or the production or anything, from destroying any types of miniatures or anything if it had something to do with the fair. Now, the director... Yuasa, he pretty much came forward and is like, look, you want me to make a decent movie? 
You want me to make a movie that could potentially make money? You guys have to give me a better budget. Like this under half a million dollars is just it's not going to fly. And only giving me about a month to a month and a half to shoot it, like it's not going to fly. I need more money. So he was actually able to coerce um, Daye to give him a slightly larger budget uh, for the special effects and all of that kind of stuff. But in the end, like whenever the film was released again, like it's just not generating the money. And Gamera is in trouble at this point in time. The next film that came out was Gamera vs. Zegra. Came out in 1971. It had about a similar size budget. You know, they, they decided to keep with the slightly larger budget so that they could try and salvage what, what they could and all of that kind of stuff. But at this point in time, Daye is in trouble. It is in very, very, very big financial trouble. Other movies that they're putting in, I mean, putting out is just, they're losing money left and right. They, they don't know what to do. They just shelled out a little bit more money towards this next Gamera project to see if it could try to pull them out of um, financial trouble and all of that kind of stuff. And it just, it just didn't do it. And there was not another Gamera film for another nine years. Gamera vs. Zegra came out in 1971 and Gamera Super Monster came out in 1980. And Daye was in a bind. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to get into the details of it because I've covered all of that in, uh, you know, in my full-fledged episode of Gamera vs. Zegra and touched upon it a little bit with my full-fledged episode of Gamera Super Monster. But they were in trouble. There was a massive lull in making Gamera films. And so... There was one more Gamera film that was still like under contract to be made and it would end up becoming Gamera Super Monster that came out in 1980. And it was virtually all footage of Gamera fighting other monsters is stock footage. There was also like, <clears throat> there was some anime crossover footage that was done in there and it was just... This film was a joke. Don't get me wrong. I somewhat enjoy the film in a it's so bad it's good kind of thing. But to see where Gamera began and where it ended up, th this film is a joke to the Gamera franchise. And Gamera, they actually kill Gamera off at the end of this film. Like, that's, that's just how bad it had gotten. And, yeah. Um, Gamera was very much... He was no longer a household name. He was no longer... A monster that could be viewed to go head-to-head -head against Godzilla. Now, Gamera Super Monster was the last giant monster movie made of the Showa era. Because it was just a few years after this one that the return of Godzilla was going to be made, that was going to kickstart the Heisei era of Godzilla films, even though technically it was still during the Showa era, because Showa was still in power at the time. And it wasn't until the next film that that's officially the Heisei era, but the return of Godzilla is 
considered to be part of the Heisei era just simply because it kick-started that particular timeline. And it would be a pretty good while later until Gamera made his big return during the Heisei era of Gamera films, and those films are very well received, and people love them, and uh, I'm I'm a big fan of them myself and all of that. Like, you know, a lot of people talk about how whenever it comes to Godzilla, like, you know, there's there's a pretty obvious difference between the Showa era and the Heisei era, but not near as drastic as Gamera. Because in the Showa era for Gamera, almost from the get-go, the films were ridiculous. And Daie had no no hope or no faith in them. And it was just one bad idea after another with Gamera until the Heisei era. And they actually put out some good quality kaiju films. And if they had done... I know, like, with technology and all that kind of stuff, it was, you know, the Heisei era was able to do things with those Gamera films that the Showa era wasn't. But whether with technology or or whatever, if they had put the same kind of quality into the Heisei era and the same kind of dedication into the Heisei era of Gamera films... I mean, into the Showa era of Gamera films like they did with the Heisei era, Gamera would be a force to be reckoned with right now. Especially, like I said, the Dark Days of Godzilla was going on during the Dark Days of Gamera. If Daie would have just like, okay, we're already in financial trouble, we might as well throw everything we've got at Gamera and see what we can do. Gamera could have, like, really taken over. Maybe not really taken over, but truly would have been able to go head-to-head with Godzilla. Because at that point in time, you know, Godzilla was... It was ridiculous as well. Like, we're talking about films that were beginning to use stock footage that was aimed towards children and... Like, a lot of the diehard Godzilla fans were just like, they were no longer interested in all of that kind of stuff. So if Gamera would have taken the reins and basically like, well, if Godzilla is letting you down, we're going to continue putting out good quality kaiju films. A lot of those fans could have made their way over to Gamera and they essentially could have stolen the Godzilla fans. But it didn't happen because while the dark days of Godzilla was going on, the dark days of Gamera was going on as well. And um, while Gamera is a very popular monster, I don't know any kaiju fan that does not have Gamera in their top five, at least. Um, It's just... He could have been better. He could have been better. He could have been bigger. He could have been much more... Like... It's sad. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, it's just... It's sad. So... All right, guys, that uh, that pretty much does it for the trials of Gamera. Um, I'm a Gamera fan. You guys know that. Uh, now that the Showa era is over with, I've covered all of those films, and now I've done the trials of Gamera. Um, I will be able to move on to Heisei era Gamera films 
and I know a lot of you guys are looking forward to that. I've gotten a few requests for the Heisei-era Gamera films, but I wanted to knock out all of the Showa-era Gamera films first, and now that they're out of the way, and this quote-unquote spotlight is out of the way, I'll be able to focus on the Heisei era of Gamera films in the future, and I will be doing one of them in the coming weeks, so just be patient for that. So, alright guys, that pretty much does it. Um, at the time of this recording, next Saturday, I will be doing a Kaiju Carnage Presents on the film Tombstone, which is the winning episode that Robert Delaloy had chosen for winning like the 100th episode giveaway. He got the Amazon gift card and he chose that he wanted me to do an episode on Tombstone. And I'm going to be doing it as a Kaiju Cartage Presents next Saturday. If you're not into that and you don't want to listen to it, I completely understand. And, you know, tune in the following Saturday for another, um, another Kaiju film. But, yeah, that's just... That's just what I'm doing. I'm, I'm following through with a uh, with a reward that I promised that I'm going to be doing Tombstone. Uh, Tombstone is a very good movie. I'm a big fan of that movie. Uh, I've talked about to you guys before that I grew up watching Western films because my mother was a big Western fan. I grew up watching Western TV shows like Gunsmoke and Bonanza, Cheyenne, you know, things like that. Um, I've seen a bunch of Western movies. And I'm also just, I'm a history buff. Uh, I'm a big fan of like the Wild West period. Things dealing with like Dodge City and Tombstone. Um, I love reading old stories about like outlaws like Jesse James, Billy the Kid, the Dalton Gang, and stuff like that. So I'm very much looking forward to talking about Tombstone. Not only am I going to talk about the production and like the casting and all of that kind of stuff about the movie. I'm going to do comparisons about what the movie got right and what the movie got wrong, how some of the characters were portrayed versus how they were in real life and all of that kind of stuff. It's going to be a big thing. So um, I'm very much looking forward to it. <clears throat> so, all right, guys, if you haven't done so already, check me out on all of my social medias on Facebook. I'm Kaiju Carnage, Godzilla slash King Kong podcast. And I have a Godzilla Ultima fan page. And then on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, I am Cal the Kaiju Guy. Please go give me a like or a follow on all of those. I would very much appreciate it. Thank you to everyone for all of the support. Thank you guys for the messages that you guys send me. And thank you for some of you sending me the messages about my uh, about my cat, uh, Wobbles, that passed away. Like It, it, it means a lot to me that you guys uh, reach out to me and offer condolences and things like that because I loved that little cat. And uh, I, ju I just want to thank you guys for reaching out and offering condolences uh, for her. So, all right, guys, that pretty much does it. Thank you once again for all the, uh, all the support and all of the listens. I very much appreciate it. Uh, next uh, Saturday will be Tombstone. Be sure to tune in on Wednesdays for the weekly Kaiju Havoc. And we will catch you guys next time. This is Cal the Kaiju Guy, signing out.